You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Rouge White and Blue CFL podcast, the minimalist slapped together version. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be your only host for the show for most of the show. My co-host Joe Pritchard will be on later. He'll be bringing us an interview with Keith Avalon, the, I don't know, CEO, director, creative mind behind Play.com, a maker of tabletop sports games including cold snap the cfl tabletop game it's a great alternative to computer video games we just couldn't get our schedules together this week so with not much happening in the cfl i'm just going to introduce the show a little bit and touch upon hmm, maybe the one story that's happening as we await the first preseason game on Sunday. It's not June yet, but it's late enough in May that the CFL preseason has begun. But in any case, of course, the biggest story of the week, we're recording this on the 23rd of May 2019, is that the league and the CFL Players Association signed their collective bargaining agreement. I got to say, I really like the way that Rand Ambrosi and the CFL front offices, as well as the Players Association, has handled this entire process. Uh, This has basically been out of the news, and it sounds pretty strange for somebody who's supposed to be reporting or covering the news or is hungry for the news, saying it's great that we've had no news on this. But... I don't really think it's a great idea to show everybody the infighting, to show the nuts and bolts of the process. You know, if you love sausage and the law, you should see neither of them being made. Both sides of this agreement enjoy uh, what they got out of the deal, I'm certain. And so probably for the best that we did not hear the ABCs of this thing going along. Uh, Of course, what we got out of this is a very brief and terse statement. And hey, since I got time, there's not much else going on the league. And what else am I going to do except complain that Antonio Pipkin is still my Montreal Alouette starting quarterback? So, real quick, it says from the official league website at cfl.ca, the Canadian Football League and the CFL Players Association jointly announced to Day that a new three-year collective agreement through the end of 2021 season has been ratified by the league's board of governors as well as CFL players. Quote, our new agreement speaks to positive growth for our league and a renewed investment in our players. We have an exciting future ahead of us and people around the world will see us build it together. I want to thank our players, teams, and fans for their patience and let them know that I share their enthusiasm for the start of football season. Unquote, said Randy Ambrosi, CFL commissioner. Uh, At the end of this, it says the CFL and the CFLPA officially began negotiating terms of the new collective agreement in March. Wow. Okay, NFL, are you paying attention? In less than eight weeks, these folks came together 
and worked out an agreement through the next three seasons of CFL football. So, hey, maybe you could uh, take notes there. Uh, once again, congratulations to Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Yet another feather in the most progressive league commissioner I've seen in my lifetime in any North American sport. Maybe Faye Vincent, who was commissioner of baseball for about 15 minutes. Maybe maybe he counts. But uh, I, would, I am definitely, once again, a big fan of Mr. Ambrosi and what he is doing for the Canadian Football League. And so, like I say, not much happening in this final week of pre-preseason, let's say. Uh, Camps are open, of course. Uh, We're getting some players returning to the field, joining new teams and whatnot. And the speculation can officially begin now. I'm going to turn this show over to Joe Pritchard and our guest for this week, Keith Avalon, right after this. And welcome back to the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast. Uh, it's Joe here. Uh, Oz has decided to take a powder for the moment, so uh, I am here alone with uh, Keith Avalon of Play.com. And Keith, uh, you've been a uh, frequent guest of the show over the course of the last few years, but uh, we do have some new listeners. So if you could let uh, everybody listening know what it is you're up to over at Play.com. Well, we make sports simulation board games. One of them is Cold Snap Canadian Pro Football. It's a card and dice uh, board game. Recreates the statistics of a particular season and it gives you the sense of, uh, you know, watching the game on TV, uh, except you're calling the shots uh, with the play calls and the defenses. And, and the players perform like they're supposed to. You know, they're rated for uh, the various areas of, of pro football expertise, defense, offense, new version of the of the just finished uh, Canadian football season and uh, in fact we just did that about two weeks ago May 5th for the 2018 season yeah and while we're talking about that uh, was there anything that stood out to you as far as rating this season that maybe you haven't seen before or was just something that caught your attention while you were putting the 2018 season together well, I did not do the 2018 season this year. David Gambrell, my good friend up in Toronto, is a pretty stoic CFL fan. He's followed it, you know, since he was a kid, and he's done seasons for me in the past. Last year, I did uh, the season myself. He was busy writing a novel, but uh, this, I guess, it was back in January, right after the Super Bowl. He, uh, you know, being proofed, and I uh, got some time on my hands. I'd love to do. CFL season for you. So I basically handed it off to him. So I did not do it this year. I did uh, format the, I took his rating and formatted the uh, official template. And so I did what I did get to look over the teams and, uh, and, uh, you know, put, put them together, but I didn't actually rate them. So I don't have any numbers crunching stories to tell you like I, like I did for the NFL season. Um, uh, it looked like, um, you know, it, it, to, to me, it looked like a pretty standard season. Uh, you know, the, the numbers. 
nothing really jumped out at me except for um, the uh, the kicker, the the BC kicker, one field on like fifty five tries. That was come up with a special rating for him uh, just to just to recreate that because the game engine is uh, not designed to uh, to you know give a, a field goal kicker ninety percent success. But other than that, I think uh, you know pretty much everything was uh, you know fairly normal. Yeah. So yeah, I, I see. I see where kickers can have can cause special difficulties as you have it set. Just to explain it to people that don't have the game, you have it set where increasingly the further you go away, the less likely it is you're going to make kicks. But uh, it you only have so many grades in there and even the best are going to miss the further out they get. But when you have a kicker that's that accurate, that has to be hard to, um, hard to make correct as far as uh, getting the percentages right. Uh, but, uh, we just had Ricky Ray retire over the past couple weeks here. And I believe he did something to your game engine that made you actually make a change to it. Well, yeah, that was uh, that. That is the, the case. He uh, that was the year that he uh, completed seventy-seven uh, percent of his passes. Like we had to do for Lewis Ward for the for the Red Blacks in his field goal kicking process. And it's like you know when 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 the game engine isn't isn't designed for that kind of precision, you know you have to make some some changes the way it's it's structured. So uh, for Ricky Ray's case, we actually had to add another. Uh, category of passer now you know really developed over the years you know when they created the quarterback rating system for the NFL uh, back in the 1970s um, you know the norm was 50% completion you know the 50% completion it was based, it was based on 50% completion 5 reception 5.5% touchdown and I think it's 10 per, 10 yards per or are highly unusual now. You know, those are the norm back then. And uh, now it's like if a quarterback completes 50% of his passes, he's out of the league. That's just not even close to being acceptable. And it's, and it's the same with the Canadian ball. So, you know, the game was designed with kind of a top end of about 68%, which could be improved to as much as, you know, 72%, 73%, uh, based on the quality of players. I mean, the game is, is designed so that the player, not just the quarterback, uh, affects completion percentage of the players that, who serve the efficiency of the passing game, which is, you know, the way it is in real football. But rather, you know, rather than put all the, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, delivery on the quarterback's card so that, you know, the offensive linemen don't really matter, you know, the cold snap is designed so that uh, the offensive linemen come into play. So, all that to say, a, a superior team that's got like great offensive linemen and great pass receivers might be able to, you know, bump up a quarterback's uh, completion percentage up to 72, 73%, which, you know, when the game was designed in the, you know, 1970s, where, where the, the norm was 50%, it was like, ha, 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 like a quarterback's really going to complete 72% of his pass, which is unfathomable, you know, that somebody would actually be able to do that. And of course, you know, now that's not that unusual. And then, you know, there was Ricky Ray a couple of years ago where he completed 77%. It's like, that's just unbelievable, you know, just unfathomable. So we had to, had to reach the game engine to add that extra category of 
the top end was 4A, now it's 5A. Uh, and, and, you know, interesting, it's interesting that uh, that season, I think Kevin Glenn, there were several quarterbacks who got that uh, 5A rating with very, very high percentage of completion. But there, were no, there wasn't anybody this year that got it. It seems like uh, since that happened, I don't know whether defenses have caught up or uh, maybe the style of play has changed uh, for whatever reason. We're not seeing... Uh, passers complete, you know, eighty percent of their passes uh, since that. That's yeah. They may be five eight this year. Yeah, they may be throwing the ball downfield a little bit more so than throwing it short as much as they may have been a few years ago. Uh, but I can relate with that with the grading. Uh, I remember I. I actually made a 1987 season based off of statistics I had, and I did a double take when the system spat out uh, Matt Dunnigan for me because he had a good completion percentage, one that was normal for the time, and your grading system was based off of uh, letter grades from A to F with C being average, and then, of course, the AA, AAA uh, as passing percentages went higher, but with all the talent Edmonton had on the team that year between the receivers and their linemen not giving up any sacks or many sacks at all that year, I had to put Dunnigan's grade to a D simply because if I would have had it any higher, he'd be throwing over 60% completions, which he hadn't done that year. So that kind of gives the reverse picture of how everything comes together and it's not just oh look here's a number here's the number and that's the grade it's how it how all the pieces on the team uh become important in this game which is something you don't see in a lot of football games uh, that are designed it's usually you have a you have the um the ball carriers graded just based off of their averages and that's it right well and, and to be honest uh you know there is some flexibility in the rating of of, uh, of players. Uh, uh, it, I mean, let's take the case that you uh, brought up of, of Matt Dunnigan. You know, it, it, the question can can I think uh, legitimately be asked: Did Matt Dunnigan make his offensive line look good, or did the offensive line make Matt Dunnigan look good? And that's where you kind of have to know your football, and then make you know, qualitative decisions on rating based on that. So, I mean, I didn't follow the 87. I wasn't following the CFL in 1987. But, you know, if I felt that it was Matt Dunnigan's quick release that, that uh, you know, prompted him to have such a low sack percentage and to do so well, I mean, you give him the extra rating, which essentially uh, uh, accounts for three offensive linemen as opposed to giving me that they really didn't deserve because of – was you know Matt Dunnigan being able to release the ball quickly or avoid sacks or for the line did make him look you know probably just to the to the person rating the uh, teams and that's why I, when when Dave you know Gambrel <laughs> offered to you know rate the season for me having you know watched the, the CFL every single week you know us, uh, um, after about August once once the NFL training center or whatever, whoever carrying CFL games is here they just kind of drop off the radar so. You know, it's it's great to have somebody like David who uh, is able to follow the season weekly and watch games every week and really be able to provide that kind of insight that you know I think is is it's it's important to have. I mean, bottom line is you could read 
substantive line or or you know you could surround him with a bunch of stiffs and, and say hey Matt Duncan was great we'll make him an A pass uh, in any of those scenarios he's going to he's going to generate the proper recreation of actual 1987 Edmonton Eskimos and that's where it's kind of up to you right and, and the game engine has the flexibility uh, if you have that in-depth knowledge to be able to be able to have those small tweaks make a big difference and that's one of the things that really draws me to your style of games and there's a lot more than just the football games uh, the US and the Canadian version uh, that you ha- that you have out there I know our friends up in Canada are def- would probably be interested in hearing how the hockey uh, works out as well well yes and let's not forget lacrosse which is actually the uh, you know box lacrosse is actually the national sport of Canada much to- to many people's surprise. Yes, and absolutely. I know we definitely have at least one Saskatchewan Rush fan that uh, listens to the show. I love box lacrosse. It's just such an awesome sport. I like it better than hockey, even because it's uh, there's there's more goals and it's uh, there's something about guys you know running full blast down the floor, you know, with a stick in their hand. Uh, it's a very exciting sport. So yeah, there's there's hockey and there's lacrosse both. Uh, both are on the uh, the play line of, of sports games. I don't, I, I'm not what you'd like me to talk about there, but I'm happy to you know give some info on that if if you'd like if it's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe just a ge- general sense of uh, what of what you're trying to accomplish as opposed to maybe what another maybe what other uh, dice games they may have found for the sport do. Um, happy to have you take just a moment because I know those two sports definitely have uh, their ho- have a home in our fans' hearts as well. Well, I mean, th- first of all, I, I make it a point never to put down anybody else's game or to you know I, I don't want to draw comparisons as to my game's better and their games are, are crap. You know that's that's just not the case. Every you know the hobby's filled with different tastes. Different people want different things from their from their game. You know, there are some people that uh, that put a, a high priority on accurate, you know, precise statistics. You know, and it really that that I mean that to them is is the whole point of playing the game is to you know is to recreate the statistics as precisely as possible. And you know, for them, the fun really doesn't begin until up the stats and comparing it to, to what happened in real life and there's there's nothing wrong with it it's a great I mean it's a it's a great hobby for them you want to have uh, players play like they're supposed to play but I put a premium on uh, ca- capturing the feel of the game and so for like the lacrosse game and the hockey game you know they're very fast moving games and you know for a hockey game it's really easy to get bogged down with uh, trying to recapture the statistical precision of of the athlete because uh, that requires you know lots of dice rolls or lots of fast action card flips and lots of calculations and computations and you know you're keeping track of shots and and assists and loose balls and stuff like that uh, and it can really take away I mean it necessarily takes away from the uh, from the speed of the game and, and the flow and if you've ever watched you know box lacrosse it's a very fast moving game you know it's, it moves so fast you can hardly keep up with it you know so it's hard to even keep track of who's on the floor if you're watching a game. In uh, in you know in the in the arena or on TV, it's just really hard to just to even keep track of who who's on the floor even you know, uh, it, it's moving that quickly. Players are just coming on. My game, the lacrosse game, is designed to kind of capture that feel, that very you know the fast moving nature of the sport. So, uh, tap really quickly. 
there are there are bursts of action in in uh, you know be short order, uh, and the game has a has a very fast runtime. It plays you know you can play a full. Um, so, uh, I, I, I really, it's, it's one of my favorite games. I, I think it may be the, you know, the, the most underappreciated game on, on the website because it's, uh, it, it's just, it's so much fun to play. I did, I did a, a webcast, uh, we, we played, uh, I did a live stream of, uh, of a couple of all time great teams that, uh, one of the fans of the game, Mark Ziegler, who lives in, uh, uh, California, put together some all time bus league and we took the Colorado team and the uh and the Toronto team and uh it was just a super exciting game uh, it went into overtime uh and I, I was just I just found myself really getting kind of completely caught up with the action you can I mean people can watch the game if they want to it's on our YouTube uh, our, our YouTube broadcast page it's archived on there and it's, it's, I won't spoil the ending but it was really really exciting so yeah it's a it's a fast moving game and a lot of fun and the hockey game is similar I mean it's just a, lacrosse game is based on the hockey game and uh it's got the same kind of flow of action back and forth same kind of speed you know fast playing and fun as well as capturing the statistical angle of it so so what you so what you were mentioning earlier too is that people can go onto the play.com youtube page and kind of get a picture of what these look like before they uh before they uh place an order that way they can kind of see what they're getting into see how the flow of the game works and just see if it's for them before they have to even worry about clicking uh putting in their credit card information if you just about what sports board games are, I mean, you know, just getting people familiar with the hobby to me is is a win. There's no order required. You don't have to buy anything. Just you know, watch the videos and get a sense for you know what we're doing. And uh, you know, if you have an interest in sports, you know, I think you'll find it to be pretty pretty cool. It's very different video games. You know, it's a uh, it's a whole different uh, skill set. And uh, you know. It, 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 it requires you to engage your imagination. You know, you're using your mind's eye, which, you know, is, is a zillion times more powerful than even, you know, any supercomputer is. And it's it's a neat experience. And it's also fun to play with others, too. I know that locally in my area, uh, there are a few other people that play the same baseball game that uh, you create, and I was able to get together with uh, one of the others, I want to say about a month ago, and we sat and had lunch and uh, played three ball games. probably took us a couple hours between lunch, chatting, and playing the games, and uh, lots of times where we had to interact with each other to keep the flow of the game going making decisions against a hum another human makes it so that we're not talking about who's got the faster fingers we're talking about a who's got a little bit more luck but b who's putting together their lineup their bullpen what have you better that day right there's decision points in a uh, in a, a card and dice you know tabletop sim there are decision points that they're absent from a computer game a computer game there's a, a minimal minimal amount of strategy but essentially you know in, in, a, in a computer game if i'm let's say we're talking about madden you know if i call uh, any play and you call even the perfect defense to stop it if i'm better than you in terms of reflex action and ability to manipulate my joystick uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have a successful result of that play and it's just you know that's great from a video game standpoint there's nothing wrong with that that's 
you know, you're just engaging a different skill set, as opposed to, uh, you know, card and dice games where, you know, you've got these decision points where it, it rests on your choice. Do it, you know, it's fourth and one or, you know, Canadian football, third down and, and a yard to go. Do I, you know, try the long field goal and maybe get a single or a field goal, or do I, you know, try to go for it and, and get the first down and maybe drive, drive in for a touchdown. And then, you know, you make your choice, you get your result, and then you have to live with the consequences. And that's, that's something that's kind of absent from a, a video game uh, recreation of, of a sport. Right, because you're going in that scenario, instead of making a choice on whether you feel like you can manipulate the joystick to get you a result, you're going you got to think about the game situation. You have to think about uh, what your players are capable of, what the other team is capable of, and even what they're thinking. Because if they're ready to if they're ready to make a stop on a certain play on third and one, if you're thinking the other way though, you may end up with a bigger play than you had even expected. Absolutely right, and that's the, that I think is kind of the fun of of. Uh tabletop sports sim as opposed to a, a video game. And believe me, I have fun playing video games too. It's just a different kind of fun. It, it, it is because what you were bringing up is exactly the experience I had. Eventually I was realizing I was trying to beat a system as opposed to am I actually engaging in thinking about the sport or am I just worried about a certain button combination at a certain point. Uh, so that's where the fun of it is for me is to, it feels more like the game, uh, like the sport we're trying to simulate than the video game does. Uh, and there's also other things you can do with tabletop sports. Uh, I believe uh, uh, very recently we had the AAF, which was a big topic in CFL circles over probably the course of probably right after Grey Cup, it started to become uh, a hot topic, especially with some Canadian players going down south to play. And it folded without a satisfactory result, but th you did something with the tabletop game that kind of, that gave it a shot, that kind of that came up with a result. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, of course, you know, I, like most people, were was kind of taken by surprise that it folded. I mean, I, I felt like I remember uh, I went to the, actually the first game for the Arizona Hotshots. I flew to Phoenix and me and Al Wilson and uh, Keith Curtis uh, got seats at the very first Arizona Hotshots game. And, uh, I mean, I remember telling them, this is not going to work. This is not I, – I got a bad feeling about this league. So I wasn't surprised that it didn't succeed, but I was surprised that they didn't even finish the first season. I mean, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So – when it, when it went down, I mean, there was there were some signals going out about a week ahead of time that uh, that the league was going to fold. So when it did, you know, I, I had gathered up some some resources and I, I quickly put together uh, the team rosters. You know, for for, for all for really for the, there were there were five of the eight teams, six of the eight teams that were still alive for the, in the eighth week. So I the teams uh, the the uh, made the ratings for those eight teams uh, for second season. And uh, then we did a quick play of the uh, the uh, rest of, of the tool that I developed based primarily on winning percentages and home field advantage. And so we, we played out the rest of the regular season. We got our playoff deal. We got our two playoff games. And then we played the championship game. And uh, the actually Arizona was the, was the champion of our uh, – um, 
Alliance of American Football. They beat the Birmingham Iron. We thought the Orlando Apollos were going to make it to the championship game, but in our universe, they uh, were upset in the division semifinal, and the Birmingham Iron Extra uh, defeated by the by the Hot Shots. It was a very exciting game, though. It was 30, 35-27 was the final Arizona winning. It was a super great, exciting game. And the players were rated. I rated the players uh, relative to the NFL, and, and uh, where where the the po- primarily everybody was rated pretty poorly. And most players had some skill at some uh, aspect of the game, but taking the Alliance of American Football to watching the uh, third or fourth quarter of an NFL exhibition game. You know, it was like there was there was some talent there, but you could see that it was uh, in spotty it was intermittent you know there were blown plays and good plays and that's kind of the way the alliance was and that's the way i rated them so it was fun to play out the championship game and see you know uh, players make poor plays as well as good plays even in the championship game i've always felt like the real test of a of a game of a sports sim game is can it can you have a good can bad teams make a good game you create a good you know a, a exciting game and in this case they did so it's really gratifying to uh have that all come together so yes our alliance of american football champions were the arizona hotshots yeah and that's just one of the uh, one of the many things you can do with a with a simulation game uh you can either play it out as it happened or have make your own scenario uh and your games are even designed to create completely fictional players and have them play out their own entire seasons. Most of your games, I believe, you'll have a fictional set with, won't you? That is correct, yes. In fact, I'm working on the uh, Football America, the fictional football league, which uh, is it's, it's now in its like 10th season. Uh, so I was going back over some of the rosters from 2010, and uh, there's been like almost 100% turnover. Like so seeing the starters for Golden Bay for 2010 compared to the starters for this year is like, wow quite a bit of turnover just it's just like the nfl so yeah it's it's its own verse of uh that feels very much like you know the nfl but it's not you know uh and uh we update that every year we have a, a fictional component for all our all our uh uh sports games the canadian football version is put together every year by lenny lafrance joe you were part of it as as well as the head coach of the champion Halifax Schooners. Yeah, that was and, a couple of years ago. Uh, Halifax got a team a little bit before they will in reality uh, with a with the cold snap uh, football game. So, uh, like I said, you could play it either the way it happens on the field, or you could play it the way you want to. That's exactly right. All right. Well, I could t- I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but I will let you go. Um, where can people find uh, find you and find more information about uh, these games if they have interest? Well, the URL is very short and very easy to remember. It's play.com with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y.com. And uh, you just go to the site, click on the box of the game that, you know, interests you, and it'll take you to the pages, uh, you know, t- pages for testimonials. And uh, then the... I would encourage if you have, if you're interested in a particular game to do a, a YouTube uh, video search because uh, just in the past couple of years, the number of gamers in the hobby who've uh, you know 
had access to video cameras and and and, and had had the interest in and uh, acumen to do a, a, a video it's just it's just exploded so there's all kinds of tutorial videos and, and game videos playthrough videos uh to to uh you know show you how the games work you don't have to uh read about it you can actually watch a game being played and so uh the, the play games youtube channel has pretty much got a, a, at least one demo of, of every game that we offer um and I, I don't know that it's actually linked from the yeah the, yes it is uh, if you go to the front page in fact i just added that link a couple weeks ago if you go to the front page uh just go to play.com on the front page uh just above i believe it's above or below the game boxes there's a link that says watch these games being played and if you click that link it'll take you to the youtube page and then you can choose from uh, any of the videos that are displayed there for the various games correct yep it's right below the game boxes i actually have it up at the moment uh so it's right oh, there cool. yep it's right there uh so if you have questions uh it's uh, it, it's easy to find the ways to contact you on the site and there's a lot of information about the games both on the site uh on the YouTube channel, and if their people are interested in the Canadian football or American football version, for that matter, they can also contact me because I'll talk their ear off about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate, appreciate you, Joe. Uh, I appreciate it, Keith, and we will talk to you sometime in the near future. Okay. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Avalon of Play.com, that's P-L-A-A-Y.com, makers of excellent tabletop sports games. Play.com is not actually a sponsor of The Roots, White, and Blue. However, Keith has been on the show, like I think this is his third time or maybe even fourth time he's been on the show. And I got to say that his games are a hoot. And Joe can attest to this even more than I can. But hey, from a tabletop fan... I can attest that this has got to be the only tabletop CFL game I've ever seen that's published on a regular basis. So well worth a look uh, for those interested into something different and enjoying a whole new level of thinking about Canadian football and understanding uh, the way it works a little bit more on that ground level, as opposed to as Joe and Keith commiserated on mashing buttons on the Madden game on the Madden CFL game, which apparently we're never going to get. Damn it. Come on, EA sports, get with it. You got a whole market up there in Canada and south of the border here in America. Well, I think that's about enough for my particular brand of psycho babble, so I'll sign it off for my co-host in absienta, Joe Pritchard. My name's Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. We'll be back next week, and it should be a lot more interesting because we'll actually have CFL football going on. Enjoy that preseason game, folks. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.